This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my Taste Buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. The DFS Studio is brought to you by DraftKings. Welcome to the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in. Tuesday, November 21st, here on a special edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Embedding Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew Fat Turkey Betts. I'm about to be, dude, on Thursday. Uh, football, family, friends, uh, and, of course, DFS. It's going to be great. There's, there's literally no uh, better day, in my opinion, if you are a fantasy football uh, player and or DFS player to sit around with your loved ones, pretend like you're engaged, but really in the background, you know you've got a sweat going on with every game that's happening in the NFL that day. It's the best day of the year, Kyle. I'm, I'm super excited. Are you uh, Are you as pumped as I am for this three-game slate? You bet. I mean, I my aunt, I'm going to explain to her, this is Dontavian Wicks. This is a person that is apparently very important to my life right now. Jake, this is uh, Turd Ferguson right here. Um, <laughs> you see that, Grandma? Funny... That's Turd Ferguson. We need him to catch a touchdown. <laughs> There, it is funny because you get to zero in on six teams and everybody knows all these players inside and out. And also, just as a spoiler alert for anybody out there, everyone will be playing them too. Like you don't have some crazy edge right now of saying, I know about this player no one else does. Like everyone else knows them. It's about your exposures. And we'll talk about roster percentages because... A lot of this you can just throw out the window of what we've talked about with DFS because this is its own this is its own universe, people. This is a three-game slate and three really good teams on this slate that are heavy favorites. So it's a little different. I also was looking at the slate, I was like, poor AFC. They don't have anybody on this slate. This is just NFC only. I mean, Betts and I are NFC guys, are our favorite team. So this is just what we're getting to zero in on. But we'll talk about the Thanksgiving slate. This entire episode will be devoted to that. So we're gonna talk. Thanksgiving strategy, our salary standouts, we'll preview all three games, and then after we give our slate breakers, we will get to battle it out. Betts and I used to do this all the time on the show. We'll bring back an old drop, and Betts and I will go head-to-head for a very special prize that we will announce later on at the end of the episode. But before we go any further, I know, before we go any further, uh, Betts, I I just, you know, I'm throwing a curveball here, but is there a certain player this year? from redraft to best ball to dynasty to DFS that you feel most thankful for. So you are saying like, you know what? 
this person has meant the world to me? That's a really good question. I obviously haven't thought about it because it wasn't in our our plans today. But uh, last year, I felt like the gift that kept on giving was fifth round Amon Ross St. Brown. Obviously very undervalued. Um, this year, it kind of feels like the waiver wire, man. Honestly, for like redraft leagues, uh, as I'm thankful for just in general. Because the quarterback injuries have been crazy. The running back injuries have been crazy. Um, I was so lucky and thankful to get Puka Nakua on a team. And with with Cooper Cup now banged up again, maybe that becomes an, another smash play this week. So uh, that's my answer. It's just the, the waiver wire in general. You got guys like Kyron Williams off the waiver wire. You know, there's just the list goes on and on. Devin Singletary is turning into a league winner. Uh, but I'm going to give Puka Nakua as my official answer. That's a fun one because he's a player that you root for. And if you look at Puka's like post-game stuff, it's like, that guy plays in the NFL. He just looks like a random dude that just got out of college that doesn't have a job. I know <laughs> that just doesn't have a He just doesn't look like he, a professional athlete. But uh, so, yeah, I have Puka on a couple teams. That's really fun. In Dynasty, I, I've said this on the Dynasty show that comes out on Wednesday. Tank Dell has meant the world to me as a Good answer. late second, early third. Just, But, I, I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> come oh. on. You're talking about his quarterback. No, I mean, CJ oh. Stroud is definitely it. But I mean, hey, I mean, is there anyone else this year that has meant more to me than Keenan Allen? Because I get it that I'm a truther. I get that I'm blinded. But man, Keenan Allen has been so fun to not only watch get peppered with targets, but get touchdowns. Like he's at seven right now. His career high is eight. So that's been really fun. In my main two home leagues, I went all in. And and all my friends made fun of me. They're like, I know that you're t- a little too obsessed with Keenan Allen, but it's been awesome. He has carried me. He has put my teams on his back in full PPR. He feels like a cheat code. I have a team with CD Lamb and Keenan Allen in full PPR. Just carry me. Carry me all the way <laughs> to a championship that I've never won in this home league. That's ever. crazy. I've you never can, won. You can basically count on a floor of 15 catches between those two guys every single week. It's it's glorious. So um, if you have a player this year that you feel thankful, uh, make sure to share it with us. I also just say, I was thinking about Christian McCaffrey because he's on the slate. We'll talk about him. Like, guys, this is the best running back on the planet. And I think we're almost like, oh, well, he's getting older and we're kind of used to it now. Like, watch Christian McCaffrey play football. It feels effortless that he can get five, six yards on certain carries that other players can't. And that his floor is so high. So I'm excited to talk about Christian McCaffrey. Uh, it, he is a huge talking point because you can say like, hey, what if Christian McCaffrey only gets 15 points? 15 points might be the RB2 on this slate. Last year it was. Ezekiel Elliott was the RB2 on the slate with you know, 15, 16 points. So in three games, the strategy is different. Everything else is different. And we'll, we'll talk about all of those. If you want to get all of our picks for the Thanksgiving Day slate, right now I'm looking at this extensive first look article that I gave talked about strategy looked at uh, everything that the field did last year their flex exposure roster percentages everything else bets is putting up the pace of play for Thanksgiving so you get to walk through all three of these games with us our Thanksgiving day picks for both DraftKings and FanDuel you can get all of that in the DFS pass so go to dfspass.com if you want to do that but before we get into our salary standouts Let's talk general Thanksgiving strategy because we kind of have to unplug some of the things that we've talked about before. Like, you know, a general thing we always say is, hey, you probably don't want to play two running backs in the same game. Well, 
it's different. You can just, you know, throw some things out. So what are some overarching thoughts you have about Thanksgiving and how to approach this? Yeah, I think what you just mentioned is is probably a good place to start in that, you know, on a main slate when you've got 10 to 12 games, um, you know, you're, like you said, trying to set rules, especially if you build through an optimizer, you know, you're not playing players against your own defense. You're probably limiting your uh, running backs in the same game to one. You're probably most weeks only single or double stacking, you know, one or two pass catchers with your quarterback. But on a small slate where the player pool obviously shrinks massively, you don't need to be perfect to win in GPPs. Um, and you hit, you hit on that at the top. Like last last year, Zeke was optimal and he didn't have that great of a game. But like on a main slate, if you get 10 or 12 points running back, that's not good enough in a large field tournament. So on the smaller slates, uh, you just want to be mindful that you don't have to be perfect and you shouldn't blindly, if you're setting an optimizer, use what you always do, which is double stack, bring back, no players against the defense. You don't want to get into robot mode. You want to be open your mind to just different combinations that are possible. On a small slate, I kind of treat it a little bit like showdown where uh, things go a little bit wonky sometimes and you can benefit when uh, when that happens. So a uh, smaller slate, obviously smaller player pool, lower scores, um, and more of a game theory, I think, uh, to this, more of a game than actual like hardcore football takes is how I'll be approaching this uh, three-game slate. Yes, I agree. I, I think I will try to turn off some of my, oh, this is what this team's really good at, and we just know they're going to control the clock this way. Like last year, we'll go through you know some of those, but like Mac Jones was an optimal play last year, and the field just didn't play him at all. Like he was really, Guilty. really low. I know <laughs> because you kind of throw out what we think is going to happen in these game scripts. Now we have three games that they're all heavy favorites. I just looked at the lines. Detroit favored by seven and a half over Green Bay. Dallas favored by 11 over Washington and the 49ers on the road are favored by six and a half on Seattle. So we have heavy favorites and it's not hard to look at this slate and say, these are the three best teams. I mean, other than the Eagles, these are the other best teams in the NFC, right? So you're going to lean into team implied totals. You're going to lean into teams that are favorites. So my advice in the way that I'm taking is if I'm playing in tournaments, I'm going to just pick two different stacks and just stay with that. So is it going to be Dak stacks, Purdy stacks, you know, Jared Goff stacks, and then large field, if you want to throw in a different one, but you can't cover all your bases. You really can't like as, as much as you can think like, Oh, I can just create every lineup combination. There are so many different ways. Like the Packers legitimately have four wide receivers and Luke Musgrave that could be in the optimal lineup. Washington, we know has any of those wide receivers. Like, is it McLaurin? Is it Dotson? Curtis Samuel, Diami Brown would catch a bomb every once in a while. Like there are so many different combinations here. So you can't cover every base. I would just say, make sure you pick a couple of stacks and be willing to go overboard. Last year, the field played it a little safe, especially in the flex. I looked at in the Millie maker, what the field did at the flex. And basically we usually say like play wide receiver in the flex. That's usually what matters. The field only played it about 50% of the time yet the optimal was almost at 70% of the time. The field played three running backs a ton, and usually that will project really well on a median standpoint. Guys, get weird here. Throw in a wide receiver that you're uncomfortable with in a tournament, and I think it'll go a lot better for you. Yeah, I think especially on this slate, that's pretty good advice because we have actually a unique situation where 
you know, uh, Aaron Jones is going to miss this game. And actually their backup, Manuel Wilson, dislocated his shoulder. So he doesn't even look like he's going to play. The team had to sign James Robinson off the street and re-sign Patrick Taylor from the Patriots practice squad. So like A.J. Dillon in a cash game setting looks awesome as will Zach Charbonnet if Kenneth Walker misses. So you like just, it feels so good to plug those two guys in and you know, you're getting volume. And then, Oh, by the way, if Gibson misses, Brian Robinson is going to project great. So automatically I fear that that two or three uh, running back construction is just going to be mega chalk this week because in a median standpoint, it projects pretty good. But if one or two of those guys fail and like Kyle said, you get a wide receiver in flex, I mean, I usually hate tight end flex, but a tight end flex, you know, get a little weird. Yes. You're going to have just a different construction than the field. So I'm going to be mindful of those injury reports this week. And if those three guys are projecting optimal, which if, if you play cash, like if that's the situation, I'd probably play them. But in tournaments, that is going to be super heavily rostered. So I'll be looking to get off of that build. Yes. And Bets and I generally don't play cash on showdown or on Thanksgiving slate. Like I'll, I'll do some 50 50s because it's it's the best slate of the year, right? Like I, w- I want to play. I love playing DFS, but generally speaking, the advice we will give on this show is geared towards tournaments, small fields, but large field stuff. So I- any last thoughts on, on that kind of stuff? Yeah, I just think, it, you know, just to drive that point home a little further, it's just hard to pick the best plays um, and have an edge on the field when the player pool is so small. When we're making these like really tough decisions, you know, last week of like, Tony Pollard versus Aaron Jones or, you know, spending up for CMC or Tyreek, like it's it's hard to kind of get those things right. And if you feel like you can do that, it's easier to do on a big slate. On a small slate, everyone knows who the best plays are. And so in 50-50s and double ups, you're used to seeing, you know, sometimes guys are 20, 30, 40% rostered. On this slate, like some quarterbacks and running backs are going to be 70 to 80% rostered. So there's just like not really much of an edge there. If you get one thing wrong, you're probably not cashing. So I think if you are going to play some cash this week, which I'll probably play a little, I'm going to mostly just try to play head-to-heads and less of the 50-50s, but I'm definitely leaning into that GPP life on this three-game slate. I look back at last year's data and I posted this chart in our Discord, in our DFS channel, if you want to be a part of that. But last year, Josh Allen smashed as quarterback one. Josh Allen, we've had the last two years. Um, and then Mac Jones 5X'd on his salary. So he was the optimal last year, and he was the least rostered quarterback. The chalk running backs last year were Tony Pollard, Devin Singletary, and Ramondre. Only one of those hit. It was Ramondre. And Saquon was a player that you kind of decide, do I want to pay up for him? And he really wasn't worth it. The wide receivers last year went bananas. Justin Jefferson, Amon Ross, Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, all put up 20-plus points. But the player... The only player that got close to six Xing on their salary last year bets was your boy, Nelson Aguilar, who put up 18 and a half points at only three and a half roster percentage. So that's that's one of those where you're gonna find a guy, Richie James, Isaiah McKenzie, all guys under 10% last year, despite uh being a small field. And then last year, Dawson Knox was the chalk tight end, and he completely busted 3.7 points. But if you paid up for TJ Hawkinson or Dalton Schultz, you had a really, really good game. Um, I had totally forgotten about this player, but we talked about Lawrence Cager as like the <laughs> Giants backup, backup, backup wide receiver tight end uh, because Daniel Bellinger didn't play. So, Dude, what is with the Giants, and- man? <laughs> year after year, we're just like scraping the bottom of the barrel for just random backups. I mean, I feel bad for Giants fans. <laughs> it's been so rough. <laughs> 
Dude, Darius Slayton in a GPP last week didn't win me any money, but I did have him in a couple of lineups. Well, he left early. He, I think he scored 18. Yeah, but if he like, didn't get injured, he was, I mean, dude, he and Tommy were just making magic out there. Dude, Tommy's, he's a buffed up version of Danny DeVito these days. He's, he's yep. a new man. Uh, also, I'll add this. Last year, defense did not matter at all. Like, it just, you know, the points were four, six, nine, two, three, five. Like, nobody really distanced himself from the field. This year, I think, will be really, really tough because we have three really good defenses that you have to pay up for that are heavy favorites. So let's talk about these salaries. Salary standouts. Bets and I are going to go through each position pretty quickly to give you a lay of the land on DraftKings of where each position is. And then we're going to go game by game. So this is more to say, like, this is what we think the field's going to do. Here's a really good play. At quarterback, Dak is the top salaried quarterback, but he's only 6,800. And I look back the last three or four years, that is really cheap compared to Josh Allen. In 2020, we had Deshaun Watson, who was 7,400. So this is really cheap. I feel like Dak should be $1,000 more when you factor in how awesome he's been. And it's against Washington, who is 31st in schedule adjusted points to quarterback. So Dak feels like the clear quarterback one play on this slate i agree even at that you know most expensive salary because you know, we only have uh six quarterbacks here to choose from and one of them is injured right so like the field probably isn't going to play gino um we'll see how they react if it's drew lock but if gino's active and he's banged up the field's not going to go there and then it becomes five options right? <laughs> like it's just smaller so i think dak is going to be massively massively rostered uh for good reason like you talked about the matchup and how good he's been um, if you are playing cash games this week, he's probably the quarterback I would choose and pay up for. I agree with you. He should be north of 7K. So it does feel like a relative value, um, especially on this slate where uh, you can poke holes in a, a bunch of the guys, especially down below. Yeah. And then it's like Jared Goff at home is always a narrative. We talk about at Ford Field. You know, he's averaging over two touchdowns per game. So I feel like he has a high floor. Brock Purdy's on fire right now. He's only 6,100. So the three favorites seem like they're going to be the three ones that the the field plays. And then Sam Howell, I think, is the biggest wild card on this slate. I mean, Jordan Love is cheap, but he's also a player that was sacked five times when they played earlier in the year through two interceptions against the Lions, and that was at home. So Jordan Love on the road doesn't feel like a great play, but um, Howell, we'll talk about that game. I think he's he's the most interesting for tournaments if you wanted to get different, knowing that you get passing volume and he's he's a threat to pick six or fumble six something and then get the ball right back and throw the ball 40 plus times a game. So, um, yeah, do you have a certain lean between Goff and Purdy? Um, I think, like I said, for cash for me, it's Dak. I think Purdy just, you know, save 200 bucks if you need it to drop down to that range. Um, I, I love the Purdy stacks just because they're so efficient. And we're going to talk about the game environment and kind of how we see that game going. But Purdy doesn't have to do that much to get there because his skill guys are so good and can do so much with the ball. Uh, the correlation actually with him and Christian McCaffrey is insane. But McCaffrey is second on the team in target share, <laughs> you know, when all four of those guys play. So, like, it's very clear, like, to me, you play him with CMC and then you play him with one of your favorite pass catchers, which gives you a lot of flexibility. So I love betting on them to hit their team total this week uh, in a, a decent matchup here against the uh, Seahawks. So for me, I would choose Purdy over Goff. 
if I had to choose, but I'm going to have exposure, I think, to both those guys. At running back, Chris McCaffrey is only 8700 So they lowered his price, which you'd think from the game, like if I was creating a game and I was in charge of stuff, which DraftKings never asked me, I would price this dude up so that if you were going to play Chris McCaffrey, he needs to be 9600 You know, that the field has to say, if I'm going to play him, it's going to cost me. 8700 to me, is way too cheap. I've got a stat for you. Since becoming a 49er, okay, so that's last year when he got traded. If you throw out that first game where they kind of eased him in, since then, he's averaging 21.7 opportunities, 120 total yards, and 1.4 touchdowns per game. So I think we all are factoring in a touchdown. I think we're factoring over 100 yards total and about four receptions. On this slate, like that's already giving you the kind of numbers that you need in cash for sure. But then in tournaments, like the raw, the raw point totals, he, he's going to be up there. It's hard to poke holes, man. I think what DK did, you know, it's a fun slate. People, they want people to play. They probably price these guys a little bit down just to make it more fun that you could get your guys. Oh, they did definitely did because just a couple of days ago, he was 9,200 or 9,300, 93, the same as on the main slate. Right. So like, and he had a great game. So why would they price him down? So that's why they're doing it to make it more fun. But man, yeah, like, again, if you're playing cash, there's enough pun options that are okay that you can fit CMC. So I do expect him to be heavily rostered, but it's good chalk. (laughs) You can't really poke any holes, right? Yeah. Jameer Gibbs is $200 cheaper than what he was this past week at 6,800. Dave Montgomery at 6,300. So one of the Lions running backs I feel like are are an optimal play. And this past week, it was both of them getting there. Montgomery on FanDuel is an even more interesting choice for me. Um, he's averaging 4.7 carries inside the red zone and 1.6 carries inside the five. So on a touchdown dependent site, he's 7,800. Uh, so he's actually cheaper than Gibbs by about 400. So I, I prefer him on FanDuel. But both of these running backs look like really solid plays as heavy favorite against a run funnel defense. Like it's just the narrative kind of speaks for itself. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that when we get to the matchups, but uh, Green Bay has actually been playing much better in rush defense recently. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like the, the Lions, they ran all over the Bears. And we talked about for like six weeks straight how good the Bears rush defense was too. So um, their scheme is so good. Their offensive line is healthy. I think they're actually the the healthiest team on the slate are the Lions. So they look like a great bet to just have success at home as they always do. So yeah, what I love about that situation is I think in tournaments, both guys are in play because we don't know who it's going to be, right? And you could tell yourself a story where it's Gibbs or you could tell yourself a story where Montgomery gets the goal line touches and falls in the end zone once or twice. So uh, I love that spot for tournaments, just you know, attack an ambiguous situation. So I don't know where I would go as far as my favorite play, but I'll have exposure, I think, to both guys this week. Yeah, Montgomery had a couple more targets this week. So you know, he's not a complete zero in the passing game. We know he can catch the ball. Um, yeah, you, you gave out the turn. They're the healthiest team of the week. I feel like that should be a new like segment or a little stinger that we have in here that bets like as the entry expert gets to like put his stamp of approval. Like Andy's almost upset of the week. Yeah, but you get to it. say this is the healthiest. You know, it, it does help my analysis when you say stuff like uh, this was the first week that DK Metcalf was off the injury report. Like that's score a touchdown. I, like I know, explain to people though. Like I, I know I'm going aside here, but like that changed how I look at and I play D, DK a little bit more because I was like, okay, the, you know, this isn't the DK we've gotten for a while. So 
I don't know. Just that that stuff matters, right? Yeah, for sure. I think that's where some of the art comes into this is you can't just be a robot to what the numbers tell you. Like we talked about this a little bit on the Dynasty show too, like where the value in watching film comes from. Um, and, and we talked about that more like the prospect lens or like rookie lens. But in this aspect, you know, clearly like wasn't truly 100% healthy, battled the rib and hip uh, issues for literally the entire season since week two. But like you mentioned, I noticed the trend. I was like, okay, Tyler Lockett's practice participation last week was not the same as what it had been in previous weeks. He'd kind of been like, you know, DMP limited full and then he would play or DMP, DMP full and play or whatever the case would be. But this past week, Lockett was a DNP three weeks in a row, and he actually came out and only played 55% of the snaps and ran 71% of the routes. That was down from his season-long average of 80% snaps and 88% route rate. So Lockett clearly is not healthy. Meanwhile, Metcalf was off the injury report, so I played him a decent amount last week in GBPs, and I'll probably be doing the same this week, given that I do expect Lockett to play, but I just don't think he's healthy right now. The other running backs that we need to mention, Tony Pollard at 6,700, um, Kenneth Walker seems not likely to play. We have to wait on that information. We're recording this on Tuesday. Aaron Jones seems like he's not going to play. He's at 6K. So then you have three running backs that are back-to-back-to-back in pricing. Brian Robinson Jr. at 5,900, A.J. Dillon at 5,400, and Zach Charbonnet at 5,300. I can tell you right now the field will want to play Charbonnet as an exciting rookie that you're, you've been waiting to have the opportunity and he got a ton of snaps this past week. So it's it's one of those things like 85% of the snaps, six targets this past week. Didn't do much with them, six for 22. But Charbonnet feels like a, a plug-and-play player that you can look at projections. Like if you went into an optimizer, and the optimizer is going to love him because at 5,300, you're going to get 15 opportunities, even against San Francisco. So I can poke holes in all three of those guys. AJ Dillon, he's in that same club as Rashad White. He's a butt runner. He just falls into the lineman's buttocks over and over and over again. He's not very good. And then Brian Robinson apparently is now uh, Alvin Kamara. He catches six balls a game. So he's going to project really well. So do you have a lean on those three? Yeah, I think if you're talking about just like cash game, medium projection, it's really hard to get away from AJ Dillon at 5,400. However, I will probably be fading him in tournaments and just hope he doesn't fall in the end zone um because like you said he's just not that good (laughs) he's not a great running back in the nfl but when aaron jones has been out he has handled over 70 percent of the running back touches in those three games and so it's going to project great i think if you're making me pick one like i said for cash games he'd be the guy i'd pick if i had to choose one um i'm also interested in fading brian robinson in this spot we have a pretty large sample of Robinson not being viewed as this great pass catcher and now we have two weeks of it however last week context is important Curtis Samuel was ejected uh, for I think throwing a punch or something in the first half and then you saw the passing game work take a, a big spike up so if Curtis Samuel doesn't get ejected this week does that happen again for a third week in a row and whenever the field is so certain that something is going to happen I'll bet against it in tournaments and just hope hope you're on the right side of it so that's my kind of long-winded way of saying I'm lower on these three guys in general for tournaments. Uh, like I said, AJ Dillon is probably the best quote-unquote cash play. Brian Robinson's a wild story because I pretty much faded him in best ball because I don't think he's very good. He's the RB4 on the season. He was a dart throw two weeks ago that killed it for us. He was a cash game play last week, and now we get him on Thanksgiving. Like He is way more involved in my life than I thought he would he's be. He's in your head, dude. 
B Rob man, but fifty nine hundred I think it's a fine tag. Like I, I I don't mind it at all. Um, if you want to go in dart throw territory, do we know anything about Antonio Gibson and his status? Well, he missed last week, of course, which is why Brian Robinson became mega chalk in DFS, and he was limited on Monday's estimated report. However, he was a DMP all three days last week, and then they said they were going to test him out pregame. And they never even did that. So, like, he wasn't close apparently last week. So, I'm surprised they listed him as limited Monday. Um, even if he goes, you're not going to see the same player or the workload, I don't think, that Gibson was getting in the passing game. So, he's the key to me on Brian Robinson. Obviously, if he's out, that would be a big boost for Brian Robinson. Yep. And then one more just sneaky name Rico Daddle is 4,600. He's super cheap on FanDuel 5,100. He saw 29% of the snaps last week, 10 opportunities, including two targets. I just need to mention him on a small slate as a player that's cheap. You could see him fall in the end zone. And at the end of the day, it's like, okay, well, you know, this guy three X's on his salary and he ends up in the optimal lineup if other running backs fail. So just another name I wanted to throw out there. Let's take a break and we'll come back to wide receivers. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. At wide receiver on this Thanksgiving slate, we have two elites. We have CeeDee Lamb at 8,700, Amon Ra 8,500. Our boys, we're just going to sing their praises. They're awesome. And then Brandon Ayuk is technically cheaper than what he was last week, despite going for 156. That's shocking to me. He's only 7K. So he's going to project really, really well. Of those three, do you have a lean, if you're price sensitive, like who's going to who's gonna X most on their salary of those three? I'm putting you under the gun. The elite wide receivers? Yes. Oh, man. Um, I think you got to pick CD, right? I mean, just this Washington defense. Yes. The secondary. That's who I would pick, too. So horrific. And I mean, I love Amon Ra. I'll never say anything bad about him. But with Ayuk, you know that there's games where Kittle's going to take over, where Debo might take over. So, like, if you're picking one that's just like best projection and probably the highest ceiling, even though the salary is reflecting that, it's definitely CD Lamb in the spot. Maybe he's in your lineup later when we battle it out. Maybe not. I'll never but tell I feel you. Like you. I feel like you have to have one of these three. Like, if you're playing a tournament, it's really hard envisioning a scenario where one of these three guys just isn't there. Like just all three of them get under, I don't know, 12 points or something. 
you'd be super disappointed. But CeeDee Lamb against Washington feels like a great matchup. Um, Amon Ra in cash is going to be maybe, is, is he the safest, most consistent player in the NFL right now? Other than CMC? I was going to say CMC and then CeeDee Lamb is right up there, dude. <laughs> like His role in the offense is truly insane when you think about the volume, the air yards, and the end zone targets. It's just there's no role like it currently in the NFL as far as what he he brings to the table. So I think it's probably CeeDee Lamb for me if I'm choosing one of these guys for cash, even with the 200 bucks. But obviously, if you can't make it work and you need 200 bucks, St. Brown's totally fine. Moving down a little further, we have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Debo Samuel at a too cheap for this slate price tag at 5,900. He's interesting. The Washington guys, I I have such a hard time clicking the button on Terry McLaurin in any format. It's just, it, it just, I never feel like I get the ceiling outcome I want. And then the Packer wide receivers are all bunched together. Romeo Dobbs at 5K, Christian Watson's 4,300, Jaden Reed, who's one of our boys, at 4200 and then I love the price tag on JSN at 4100 I think that's a really solid one that you can add in as a third piece. So any thoughts on this middle tier of wide receivers? Yeah, I think it's it's super interesting because this is where I think you're going to win tournaments is getting this yes. right. Uh, because like you said, it's you can poke holes in McLaurin. We know Dobbs is kind of shaky here and there. Dotson literally has 30 points or two points. So like the wide range of outcomes there. Then the Packers guys, I'm super interested in for tournaments for two reasons. One, AJ Dillon is going to be mega, mega chalk. And then um, it's it's ambiguous, right? You don't really know who it's going to be. So you have an opportunity to kind of leverage the field. I think Reed will be somewhat popular for this slate context-wise. So Watson's kind of interesting for tournaments. We know the ceiling's there. We know the deep targets are there. Just will it hit or not is the question. And in GPPs, that's obviously what we're chasing. So I think uh, the Packers guys, to me, are super interesting for tournaments. I'll certainly be having a lot of exposure to those guys as leverage off of AJ Dillon. Yeah, I think where this slate is going to be one is there because you think a lot of builds are going to have CMC, one of the two elites, like Lammer or Monra, and then they're probably going to throw in a Packer wide receiver. Um, Brandon Cooks has a good price tag too at 4500 for this slate. And then a cheap guy. The really cheap guys are thin for a reason. Michael Gallup, I like I don't know what their plan is because they paid him a ton and his routes are like 16 routes a game and he's just not being targeted. So he's kind of weird. Uh, Josh Reynolds and Jameson Williams, I think are interesting for this game, for this, uh, you know, for this format. They're interesting. Dontavian Wicks got targeted five times on 15 routes this past week. So he'll jump out to some people. Khalif Raymond is in our life every single year at this time of the year because he's on the Lions. Sure, why not? And then if you really wanted to, Martavius Bryant is technically in your player pool. Oh, is he really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't even see that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. Don't play. All right. Tight end. <laughs> yeah. Tight end. George Kittle is 6K. Sam Laporta is 5.2. And then it's a lot of lower options. I think if you punt, this is one of my takes so far. If you try to punt and say, you know what? I'll just get Luke Musgrave or Logan Thomas and get out of there. There are drastic consequences because Kittle and Laporta have real ceilings. And then Ferguson is attached to Dak who can go off anytime. So punting with these teams that are not favorited can just give you lines that are like three for 28 and you're just screwed. But I think Turd Ferguson will be played by the field because he's cheap. 
and you're not paying up for the next ones. And then Musgrave had six targets last week. He's only 3,300. Noah Fant doesn't exist to me. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, yeah, this is an interesting spot because what I think I'll be doing is letting uh, roster percentages dictate how I handle this because as we saw last year, it was like, oh man, Dawson Knox, like clearly the best player on the slate. But literally any tight end, not named Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews, you're the elite guys, is going to give you a couple games of two for 12. That's just what they do, right? So like if the field knows it's, it's Logan Thomas this week, I'm not going to play Logan Thomas. So I'm just going to let roster percentage dictate that and uh, and hope I'm on the, r- the right side of it, so to speak. Last thoughts on defense. The three favorites are the three favorites for a reason. They're priced up that way. Dallas at 3,800, the 49ers at 3,600, the Lions at 3,200. Those three are legit defenses by themselves. And then on the slate, they make sense. I think those three defenses will be 75, 80% of roster percentages. And rightfully so. Like it, It's shocking to me that Dallas, two weeks ago, we were playing them in cash at 4,400. Then they went down to 4,100. And then now this week on a smaller slate, they're only 3,800. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think play one of the favorites. That's my advice. Same. Um, they're going to be wildly popular. I think Dallas, <laughs> Dallas will be against Washington for good reason. Um, so I think maybe getting off them and, and hoping what happened two weeks ago happens again, where they're okay, but not incredible for DFS. And they give you eight points and one of your other defenses has a pick six or, you know, a strip sack or something that they return for a touchdown. You just need variance to go your way. So again, like tight end, I'm going to be looking to get off the chalk if I can, especially in tournaments. I tried to stare at the other defenses, you know, Green Bay, Seattle, Washington. I'm like, is there any route where these defenses are legit? And I think Seattle, like if you wanted to punt with Seattle and you're hoping that they get six or seven points and the rest of the field stays relatively measured, like eight or fewer, you would be super happy with that because at least they're at home. But I cannot see myself playing the commanders at all. Like, I don't think it makes any sense on a slate where, I said earlier, like all the expensive players are not expensive enough. So I don't think it really matters to save $500 or $600. Just, just play one of the favorites. That's uh yeah. That's like advice. you said last year, last year is the perfect example. You can, we can just point people to that too. This is not a football take. Like clearly the, the Cowboys are the best to play on the slate. And then I would say apply the Niners. But like you said, if the Cowboys give you eight, the Niners give you seven and the Seahawks or the commanders give you six, it's like, great hopefully the savings that you had lets you spend up elsewhere and get the plays that you needed if defense doesn't matter and and if you're fading dallas or you're fading the niners that's what you're saying is you're hoping defense just doesn't matter on the slate as last year it didn't matter and so if you save the money hopefully it works so with that said we know just because i said that dallas is going to have two pick sixes and just break the slate so what could go wrong yeah all right let's preview these games stack attack we talked strategy, we talked salary standouts, let's get into the nitty gritty of how we're stacking these games and how we could see it go, which on this sample size, dude, maybe it doesn't even matter. Like sometimes I, I just, just, we do this as a job. You preview a game and you're trying to explain how game flow could work, but there's so many different scenarios of in one game, this is what could happen. But the first game, Green Bay Packers at Detroit Lions, the Lions are seven and a half point home favorites at Ford Field, and the over-under is at 46. Detroit, number two in the league in plays run inside the 10-yard line. We love the elite role for David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs. We wish they were just one running back, but on this slate, 
they're good enough. Like their their raw point totals, if it's 17, 18 points, is going to be good enough. How are you attacking this game? Yeah, I think that's a great spot to start. Uh, to start is the running backs for Detroit, which, as I mentioned, I think the field is going to kind of get um, a little bit of just you know confusion of like, well, I don't know who it is, so maybe I just won't play these guys. So I'll be taking shots on both these guys. Um, I lean Gibbs if I'm just forced to choose one. Because when we saw this matchup earlier in the year, Montgomery, of course, came out for what was it like 30 carries, I don't know, 150 yards, whatever it was, and like two or three touchdowns. He had that insane game. Um, since Gibbs has returned with Montgomery, or I should say Montgomery returned with Gibbs in the lineup, uh, you know, 19 and 14 opportunities for Gibbs compared to 12 and 14 for Montgomery. So you're seeing a little bit more workload from Jameer Gibbs. We obviously know he'll get the receiving work, which on DraftKings goes a long way. And as I mentioned, this rushing matchup is not as easy as it was early in the year. Since week six, Green Bay ranks 28th in pass defense EPA. They're seventh against the run. So they're, the Lions run game is so good that it doesn't really matter the opponent. But just if you're thinking about optimally, like I think it's interesting to stack Gibbs with Goff and Amon Ra or one of the one of the other wide receivers and just get a little unique with your construction. So I like Gibbs quite a bit in this spot. Uh, but obviously, Montgomery is totally fine too. And there's no way... I- there's no way you would play both of them together. I don't think there's no way. Because what, That's what, I, <laughs> what if what if on this slate, this game hits the over, the Lions put up 35 real-life points, and both guys fall in the end zone at least once? I mean, that's certainly yeah. possible, or right? Or even so, three total times between them. Right. And that could be optimal. So it's unlikely, but that's what Kyle's saying, is like on these small slates, weird stuff happens. Yeah. If you're not fully stacking this game, I think when you're looking at the Lions and you're looking at the Lions at home, you're saying that they're going to hit their team implied total against a Green Bay defense that's just not imposing at all. So, yeah, I think I think I want a Lions piece that I can build around even if I'm not fully stacking this game. If it's Gibbs, Montgomery, or Amon Ra, I think Amon Ra will carry the most roster percentage because the running backs will just split. The pieces that I think are most interest are Laporta because he's expensive enough where people are like, well, he's not the most dependable Lions. He's not going to project, you know, his median outcome as better as the running backs in Amon Ra. I think he carries a ceiling that if Kittle airballs, which we know Kittle can have those games where he's just not the focal point, Laporta carries the next highest ceiling and then it's Ferguson. So at 5,200, he's fine. He's not getting targeted as much recently, which is kind of frustrating. But on these type of slates, like I, I just throw that out like, hey, what did he do last week? Don't care. I think of a player that can go five for 50 in a score, and he's clearly the tight end one on the slate. So Laporte is just someone I want to highlight that can differentiate uh, your team. And then last week, the Chargers like heavily targeted the tight end. Like Donald Parham had six targets as the most of his career. Your boy Stone Smart had a 50-yard touchdown out of nowhere. So just something to build off of that Sam Laporta, I think, is a good tournament leverage play. Yeah, he's he's really interesting on this slate. Um, one thing that I was just thinking about when you were talking was just when you've when you've had the running backs healthy, we've seen less red zone work as far as targets and him involved as a focal point as the the go to guy in the red zone. So my thought process is okay, maybe if you are playing Laporta, you're leveraging him off the running backs and you're hoping that the running backs 
i.e. especially Montgomery, doesn't fall in the end zone. That's kind of how I'm thinking about it. That might be a little bit too specific on a small slate, but you know, I think if you're betting on him to score a touchdown, he's probably not scoring from 60 out, right? He's probably scoring from 20 or 15 out, which will take away touchdowns from Montgomery. So I think personally, I'll be playing Laporta as leverage off the running backs. Do you think that's too specific on a small slate? I mean, you know me. You could say anything. It could probably work. It, the running backs just as a whole. You can like convince Detroit, me of literally anything. <laughs> on, on, a, on a DFS slate, <laughs> um, there's very few things that I that I wouldn't say. But the Detroit running back, if they were one running back, and we look at their projections, I think I would just say, like, man, like a touchdown is going to go to one of these two guys. Probably. And that's taking it away from Laporta. I just, I'm asking, like, okay, so Gibbs at 6,800. Can he hit 16 points? Because that's what I think you're going to need. Same thing with Montgomery. Like, that's what they need. If they get lower than that and you have an outcome where that, you know, they, they get 12 points, then I think Laporta makes more sense as leverage. But if, you know, Gibbs hits 18, then you're going to end up like with your salary combined just a little different. So we love the Detroit side. We love their, their favorites right now. If you want a golf double stack, that's fine. You can even include Gibbs, golf, Gibbs. Uh, Amon Ra, but I think Amon Ra is going to be, I don't know, second or third most popular wide receiver on the slate. So just keep that in mind. His raw points, you can't get away from. And I also feel like because we used up all of our good juju on Jameson last week, he's going to airball this week. I mean, probably, but we were on it last week and the the trend is good, right? 52% of the snaps two weeks ago, 65% last week. Um, and in the same time, he has been running more routes just two fewer than Josh Reynolds. So you're slowly seeing Reynolds route share come down and you're seeing Jameson Williams route share come up. So I think he's totally in play on this slate, especially if you're stacking golf at 3,400, you know, you just need two catches and you hope one of them is a touchdown. And if that happens as it did last week, he's probably in the optimal this week. So I will be playing some Jameson Williams this week, especially as part of my golf uh, exposure. Reynolds is still getting snaps. So it's not like he's just irrelevant. And if he gets in the end zone, it's fine. I feel like these are the kind of slates, though, that's like, what the heck? Khalif Raymond, right? Josh Reynolds, Tom Kennedy, who probably not going to dress, but like those kind of players for the Lions end up getting in the end zone. On the Packers side, Jordan Love had a 300-yard game last week. Congratulations, buddy. I cannot for the life of me consider him. I mean, he could get there in garbage time, but because there are other quarterbacks who are more favorites, like I think Jordan Love might be the player that I just exit out of my player pool right away. So he's last year's Mac Jones? Pretty much. like that, But he is way more volatile. Like I think we would say that his range of outcomes are he scores one on the ground, he throws for two, you know, 40, 50 yards on the ground. Like he, he, He's volatile. He also could have five interceptions or something. I'm going to be playing Jer- uh, Jordan Love this week. <laughs> I'll tell just because right I said that? No, no, no. I, the Lions are not good defensively. Like everyone views this team as good. And we talked about this last week. It's why I was on Justin Fields. They are allowing eight yards per attempt since week six. They have gotten destroyed against opposing uh, passers. 26 in EPA per drop back in that sample is Detroit. Um, so yeah, I want to play some Packers. And for me, if you're thinking about game theory, everyone's playing Dak. Everyone's you're playing Brock Purdy. Everyone's playing Jared Goff. And so, is Jordan Love the best play? Of course not. On a six-game slate, is he in play? Yes. And you're telling me I can get a Love stack with... You You just pick two of the guys because you know 
it's an ambiguous situation, you're getting such low roster percentage in the early game where you can late swap later as leverage off AJ Dillon makes all the sense in the world. So I will be playing some Jordan Love this week. He can also give you some rushing, right? 20 yards is in play, 25 yards is in play. Um, the dude is averaging over 18 DraftKings points per game. If he gives you 16, 17, and Dak, for some reason, only gives you 20, like that's in play on this slate. So I'm, uh, I'm very open to Jordan Love this week. I played him last week in tournaments, and I feel like, once again, I've used up the good stuff. Um, against the Lions earlier this year, five sacks, two interceptions, a fumble, yet he still got to like over 17 DraftKings points. I just don't see a crazy, crazy, crazy high ceiling for him. So last week he threw for 300 yards and he barely got 20 fantasy points. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so I, I mean, like I, I said, I, like, he's not you're saying optimal. this as a tournament. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I this is it. a tournament. Just GPP one oh one. Oh, the running back is going to be the most popular play on the slate. I'll play the passing game and just hope it goes through them. Yes. I'm totally fine with that from a game theory. Uh, with the wide receivers, Romeo Dobbs is a touchdown or bust. Like 42% of his fantasy points this year have come from touchdowns. He's tied with Cor- He's the Cortland Sutton of the NFC. So he feels like a player. With this. <laughs> I know. And he's getting the end zone target. So it's, it's like, you like that? Jaden Reed feels like a very safe cash play. Um, but, and Christian Watson, I can't figure him out. I don't think anyone can. So he's a really fun tournament dart throw as well. I just... So I just don't know how to order these guys. Any of them could catch the touchdown. Yeah, this is you throw your hands up and you just hope you have the right ones if you're playing this game as as part of the stack. Um, I think all three are in play for tournaments, obviously with love or without if you're not playing love. The reason I like them is because, like I said, on a slate where we really want to maximize late sweep, late, late swap, excuse me, as much as you can, if you hit on one of these contrarian guys early, you can get onto the chalk later. You can play a CMC. Um, you can play CD Lamb. You know those kind of things. So, I'll be taking shots on these three. Um, my favorite one for tournaments, I think, is Christian Watson, just because he leads the team. Who are you? I know he leads the team in end zone targets since he returned from the injury, um, and the 15 yard ADA is the best on his team. So I'll just be hoping one of them hits and and you know and praying. <laughs> you are just a wild man on this slate, just saying. You know what, Jordan Love. Christian Watson, but you're saying this in the sense of like what the field's going to do. So I, I'm, I totally get that. I think the way that I'm looking at this game, if I'm going to use it, golf double stack, one packer. But that's probably the optimal way to play it. Yeah. Yes, but if you want to go overweight, you gain a ton of leverage if you go in on this game. Do you think this game will come in behind the other two games in terms of like popularity? I mean, everyone's going to be playing Dallas, I think, and Niners. So I do think it will be of the three the least popular. Yes, I agree. All right, so give me your Vegas take. I actually think the Packers are going to cover the seven and a half. I, I cannot read. Okay, so seven and a half is a is a lot. It's not been bed down. Are you sure? You sure we're not uh, working that's, with? That's what's in our doc. Okay. Well, yeah, that's that's the line. Okay, I think I think the seven and a half number. I think I would take. I think I like the over. I. I like the Lions the, the Lions in this game. Like I'm going to be leaning into Lions early on in the window, but seven and a half, I think I would take the Packers. Next game, Washington Commanders at the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys have an insane 29-point team implied total. They're favorites again. 
by double digits by 11, and the over-under is at 47 and a half. This game is awesome because Washington stinks at defense. So you also get a quarterback in Sam Howell who throws the ball 40-plus times a game. So you have everything you want, and there's a reason this is going to be so popular. The Dallas offense, Dak, CD, very condensed. You can throw in a Turd Ferguson. You can throw in Brandon Cooks. We like that offense. And then you look at the Washington side, like, okay, they're going to be throwing a ton. You can't really run the ball effectively against Dallas. Pick a Washington. That That's the way that I think everyone will approach this. If you wanted to go overweight on this game, how do you think you can get different? Because like you said, the field loves it. Yeah, I think, like I said, a lot of people are going to play Dak. And if you're playing Dak, I, I just play him with CD. I'd make that rule. And then I think what's interesting on this slate is you could just onslaught it. Like you could play... Dak, CD, Cooks, and Gallup, or and you know Jake Ferguson, and just hope Dak is the QB one on the slate, and Dallas puts up forty points, and the other games are man are okay, but they don't get there. And I think that's what I was talking about a little bit too with these smaller slates in the playoffs. Is everyone feels like they need exposure to every game just to get a little piece of it, but if the other two games hit the under, there's an injury, something weird happens, and Dak just explodes. What if he brings? three pass catchers with him instead of two. I mean, that's certainly possible. So I think that's one way to do it uh, is just to really lean in super heavily to, to Dallas and just hope they give you 40 points. Yeah, I'm going to hammer that point home because in my, you know, playing this slate over the years, I remember the early days, I felt like I had to cover all my bases. Right. Okay, like I'm building my lineups. Okay, I got a Dak stack and I'm bringing it back with McLaurin. And then, oh, I like McCaffrey and I'll correlate him with JSN Oh, but I don't have anybody from the Packers and Lions, so let me just get Jaden Reed and Amon Ra, and you know, and, and like for sure, you end up getting into a ton of roster percentage, and everybody has that type of of uh, you know construction. So what you're really trying to do when you think of these games is more of individually, does this game go off? If this game goes off, and what is needed, and then what am I saying in these other games isn't going to be as optimal? You know, you know, let's say that game hits 38 combined points. I don't even need that game. Like I might not even need Christian McCaffrey because he gets 20 points, but this game goes for 60 plus and it, it just, it's the bananas game. So that's the important point. I need your read on Tony Pollard because <laughs> we've basically been up and down, up and down, up and down. You played him this past week, right? In cash? I did. I did not. So we reversed course, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, you were the one that was was... You were a huge Tony Pollard supporter early in the week, and then by Sunday you were like, nah, I can't do it. I just needed to give you the courage that you needed. It worked. Hey, against Carolina, everyone gets there. Yeah. So what's your what's your read on him this week? Yeah, I think he's super interesting. Um, Dallas, just on the year, is not targeting running backs the same way that they have been historically. However, he did see five targets last week. So I guess you can include him as, as part of this game if you want to. For me, I'm going to be lower on him than than whatever roster percentage says um washington is good man against the run and teams are choosing to throw on them dallas has shown us that they are a pass first team over the last month they are top three in pass rate of expectation in that four game sample so i just want to lean into that and washington is not gonna be able to stop dak i don't think so if dak gets there it's probably taking away from tony pollard so uh, i'm lower on pollard in the tough matchup washington since week six is third in epa per rush attempt defensively and their second in success rate allowed. So this does not profile as an elite Tony Pollard spot. So I'm looking at the Washington side. I'm asking myself, like, what can this team do 
for them to be an optimal play in you know in a three game slate. You get volume from Howell. You get 300 yards, throws 40 times, probably throws at least one or two picks. Might get sacked five times. Like it's it's possible to play Sam Howell and the Dallas defense on this slate. Like it's weird enough where like they could get 15 and Howell could just throw nonstop and end up getting there. Dude, that was, would that was Jameis for years, right? He'd throw a pick six, right. get the ball back. Sweet, let's keep getting more points. So I think that's actually really interesting on this slate. Yeah, he can run one in, but I would say if I did that, I would want to howl double stack. And then, yeah, you can eat into some chalk with C.D. Lamb in this game. So if you played C.D. Lamb, Dallas defense, and you double stacked Sam Howell, I think you'd get different with the Washington players, knowing that Dallas and C.D. Lamb are going to be chalk, but you're playing a stack that no one really wants to play. So if I was doing that, it's probably just McLaurin and... I guess Logan Thomas is cheap enough and running enough routes and old enough that I guess he could work, but it's hard to look at the other wide receivers and have confidence because Jahan Dotson doesn't exist some weeks. Yeah, I put this on here. Since week six, here's the target shares for all four of their main pass catchers. McLaurin, 22%. Dotson's 14.1. Logan Thomas at 12.6. And Curtis Samuel at 12.4. So you're just not getting you know week-to-week consistency as far as elite elite target share. It's, It's Brian Robinson, dude. Uh, as far as an elite target share so again kind of like the Packers you throw your hands up this is a great spot to take some shots in tournaments and and hope you land on the right one uh, because we know they're gonna throw and (laughs) they're gonna throw a ton so I think one of these guys is super interesting and I'd be surprised if at least one of these guys isn't close to optimal if not in the optimal lineup just because Hal is going to be chucking the entire game yeah so in the same way that you gave the case for Jordan Love because AJ Dillon's going to be super popular. I just think Sam Howell is a great leverage point if Dak's going to be the most popular. Like, I'm not saying Sal or Howell's going to be great. He could totally dud this game, but his range of outcomes and the leverage you get in the same game makes a lot of sense from a game theory standpoint. But um, give me your Vegas take. I'm going to lay it with Dallas, dude. I just, they're doing it every week. So Dallas minus 11. I'm going to lay it like a sucker, too, just because I think CeeDee Lamb could go for. 80 points because he's freaking awesome. I hope he does. Last game, San Francisco 49ers at the Seattle Seahawks. The 49ers are seven point road favorites. If Gino was healthy, would you put this more at like five? Uh, Probably. Five yeah, probably somewhere in there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough for any road team, but uh, the over under is 42 and a half. We like Seattle because they throw... We hate Seattle because they're just not efficient in the red zone. They're super frustrating. So if it's Drew Locke, it's even more frustrating because I think I've said on this podcast before, like he should not be in the league. He should be out making mixtapes or whatever else he wants to do with his life. Um, Drew Locke, <laughs> if Drew Locke was like born in a different generation, he would be labeled as like the most troubled child ever, but he's in a TikTok generation. So he kind of gets away with some of his immaturity. What a turd. So <laughs> how are you building this game? Oh man. Um, CMC is awesome. Obviously. I think one thing that's super interesting about this is playing the Purdy stack. Like I said, with CMC and you just hope that the Niners come out and put up 30 points as they usually do when their guys are healthy. So I actually really like this spot for, the uh the party stacks and if you look at the correlation which i got this uh, from fantasy labs they have a tool for this 
Brandon Ayuk has the highest correlation on the team with Christian McCaffrey. And this is the stack I played last week when I took down a small field tournament was Purdy, CMC, Ayuk. Ayuk, I just, I want to hammer it home. Like his role is among the best in football, not just on the team. Like you look at his air yard share, he has almost half of the entire air yard share of the team, 25.6% of the targets win all three of Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle have been healthy this year. So he, to me, is super interesting, Brandon Ayuk is, because when you think about the top two studs in the slate, which you can't really poke holes, but like everyone's going to play CD and Amon Ra, and I think Ayuk will be played some, but he's very tough to fit if you do play one of those two guys. So I think playing Ayuk on the slate for tournaments is really interesting. You hope he has an awesome game, and if you do that, then you're saying, you know, Lamb gives you 18 points and he's not incredible, or Amon Ra gives you, you know, 15 and he's good but not great, and Ayuk smashes. So that's my my lean here on this game is I'm going to play into that uh, tri- that double stack. I think this is the hardest game to get right because with the San Francisco side, we've seen games where it's an Ayuk game. We've seen games where it's a Debo game. We've seen games where it's a Kittle game. It's like really hard. And so you're leaning into correlation, which is what you did last week. I totally agree with that. I just know that like we usually don't play Ayuk and Debo together. We usually never play Kittle and Debo together. And so on this slate, if the field knows that, you're looking at combinations that are just very, very concrete. Like, okay, well, we don't play these two together, but anything could happen in a one-game sample size. I want two 49ers on my roster, like just from looking at this. It's really hard if you're stacking the other games, if you're stacking Dallas you're stacking Detroit to get two of those in here because you know other than Debo being 4900 Kittle's uh or Debo's 5900 Kittle's 6000 Ayuk 7000 and then McCaffrey's the most expensive so all of those guys you can't fit them all in from just a median standpoint i wonder and maybe this is galaxy brain here in what scenario is Christian McCaffrey not in the optimal lineup because I think the field's going to play him 70% of the time in tournaments. Yeah, I mean, the way he doesn't get there is if he gives you 18, 19 points and you don't play him, but you play both of Lamb and Amon Ra, and those guys go for 22 and 25 points, right? And like those are the two studs you need and not CMC when you adjust for price and cost. That's how he doesn't get there, which is possible, right? I mean, we saw that a couple weeks ago when he was decently popular i think it was against the jaguars he had which is crazy for how good he is in fantasy like his floor was like 20 DraftKings points but at his price which at that time was like 9k or whatever that's not really winning you a tournament right and that's what you're saying is if you fade him you just hope that's the outcome and he doesn't go for two touchdowns and catch five balls yeah you need so you would need the detroit running backs one of those guys to be optimal potentially tony pollard is there maybe AJ Dillon does get there? He falls in the end zone one time or Charbonnet. Those right. are the kind of combinations when you start adding them up. If you want to do that in a spreadsheet, you literally can just say, okay, say Charbonnet gets 15. Uh, let's say, you know, Gibbs gets 20 and McCaffrey gets 20. Like you can find combinations where it doesn't work. So, um, in this game, I really like Kittle because he's been awesome with Purdy and that's been a long sample size with those two. Debo's really tough because. You know, we first came back, four targets, then another four targets. I I just wish I saw more involvement, but he's one of those players that his projections don't really matter if he gets three carries, if he gets four targets. 
He's so efficient. Like a Debo Samuel rushing attempt is the most valuable rush attempt in football. So that's all we really care about. Um, on the Seattle side, do you have a preference of the three wide receivers? I think it's Metcalf for me. Kind of already mentioned, like last week we saw Lockett play a more of a limited role. Um, just over half the snaps, only about 70% of the routes, which is well below what he normally does. And then it was like JSN and Jake Bobo kind of like rotating together. So I guess those two guys are fine pun options, especially JSA. But for me, Metcalf's the guy that I think is going to get lost in the shuffle this week. You think about the quarterback concerns. You think about the tough matchup against San Francisco. You think about everyone wanting to play CMC and, you know, Lamb and Amon Ra. And it's tough to fit uh, DK Metcalf. So he's interesting to me as a one-off in this spot. Like I said, I don't think I'll be stacking Gino or Drew Locke, but if you want to play Metcalf as a one-off, I think that's totally viable in tournaments. Yeah, I like JSN when you factor in the price. He was second on the team in routes this past week. So this isn't the JSN we had at the beginning of the week. Um, last thought on this game I have is because CMC is so popular, is Charbonnet one of those players like, why would you play a running back in the same game who's probably going to carry some roster percentage too? Like it just doesn't make any sense with those two. Say that again. Sorry, I was I was reading something <laughs> reading something in my notes. Just basically like Charbonnet is going to be fairly popular too. Like he looks like a play that Devin Singletary was the last couple of years. Like he'll get some volume, maybe he'll get in the end zone, but like his floor is what like seven points or something. So it it, it feels like a play that like feels kind of thin because him and Dylan, if they don't get in the end zone, they're worthless. Potentially, yeah. And I think this, and this obviously assumes Ken Walker is out, but if that's the case, last week we saw him play just a ton of snaps. He played almost every snap, didn't he, in that game when oh, Walker yeah. left? So this week, now that they have time to game plan, 85%. You know, Pete, you know Pete Carroll is going to get like DJ Dallas involved on passing downs and stuff like that, right? So I don't think he's an incredible play in a tough matchup. But he's a pretty good play, especially for cash games. So like that's kind of how I'm looking at him. Very similar to Dylan. You just hope he doesn't fall in the end zone and you hope he scores eight points and that's not enough for a tournament, right? If you fade him. Yeah. My Vegas take is if this goes to seven and a half, I would take Seattle. But right now I would take the 49ers. I will take over 24.8 team implied total for San Francisco. Nice. Let's go with our slate breaker. This week, we have a great sponsor. It is the Vortex Football, which... Oh, man, baby. I had a Vortex as a kid. It was the John Elway version. Oh, who and didn't then later that? on, later on, I got a Russell Wilson version a couple years ago. And now my kids... Last year. My kid... No, no, definitely not last year. <laughs> my kids have a version of the Vortex Football. I don't know if there's a sponsor on it, but man, what a great feeling where you can just throw that thing, let it whistle. So thank you, Vortex, for sponsoring this slate breaker. Mine is George Kittle because he's on a heater right now since week three. What if I told you, Bets? He's the tight end one in total points. I believe he's it. He's pretty awesome. And he has a history of being heavily targeted versus Seattle. Last couple of games, four for 93 and two, four for 40 on 11 targets, nine for 181 and two on 12 targets. He is the dude. Are these his games against Seattle? Yeah, these are games against Seattle right here. Oh, baby. Wow. First look article. You should read it. It's on our site, dfspass.com. But also... Do I have to pay for that? Uh, you do, definitely. But I want to say this about Kittle. Because he's 6K, it's a decision point on this slate. And so I'm I'm declaring this more as, 
if you don't pay up for him, he's going to make you pay. But also, I think I want to be overweight Kittle uh, compared to the field. If they're going to punt with Logan Thomas or Musgrave or Turd Ferguson, Kittle is worth the price. And we've seen him correlate pretty well with Purdy. He's interesting because on that chart you showed me, he has the most negative correlation for CMC. So if I was going to fade CMC, this would be a place where I'd add Kittle and maybe pay elsewhere at running back. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that's super interesting from the game theory standpoint. Um, I'm going to go mega chalk. I think CeeDee Lamb goes bonkers on the slate. Um, And then that's okay, right? Oh, yeah. In tournaments, it's okay to eat some chalk sometimes, which that's a good reminder for people. And I think CeeDee Lamb's, uh, for wide receiver, it's never good chalk, but I feel like for CeeDee, it's pretty good chalk. Over the last month, he's averaging almost 14 targets per game. He's averaging 10 catches per game, 33% target share, 36% first read target share. So like he's Dak's dude, and he also leads the team in end zone targets in that sample. So like that's just an unreal combination in a matchup that you could see CD just go absolutely bonkers. So I'm going to be, whatever the roster percentage is, I'm going to try to be overweight the field in my exposure to CD Lamb this week. Yeah, last year, Justin Jefferson was the most expensive wide receiver on Thanksgiving slate. He also had the most DraftKings points at 32.3. So it's one of those things that you can say all day, here's a cute play. What if he just has the most raw points on the slate? Period. CD Lamb. Right. So he is freaking awesome. All right, one more segment. DFS Battle Royale. Betts and I used to do this all the time over the years, and we thought we would bring this out for the Thanksgiving slate. Betts and I are going to compare a DraftKings lineup that we haven't showed to each other, and the winner buys the other one a night of chilies. Because that's just the most fitting thing that we could do for each other. So next time Betts and I see each other in person, because I feel like it would be a really disservice. Like, hey, dude, I got you chilies to go. It's coming to your house. Hey, man, I just memo you 20 bucks. Enjoy your chilies. Yeah, I know. That wouldn't be as good. So um, we'll go one by one. We might have some overlap, but Betts and I are competing on Thanksgiving. So my quarterback is Dak Prescott. I've got Dak. Yeah, I kind of I kind of knew we would go there. Running back, I have Christian McCaffrey and David Montgomery. Oh, interesting. Okay. I paid down and and I'm assuming Ken Walker's out. So maybe you and I can decide if I if I get some reprieve, but I'm playing Zach Charbonnet and I'm playing mm-hmm. AJ Dillon for the cheap <laughs> value. <laughs> okay. Okay. So right now, I mean, my team is crushing yours, just destroying your squad. Who was your RB2? Oh, Dave Montgomery. Dave Montgomery and CMC. Okay, that's fine. I feel great. All right. At wide receiver, I have CD Lamb because I'm not a dumb man. Yep, um, I stacked him with Dak. Jaden Reed, who I think is a great tag at 4.2. And I went for a wild card here, Jamison Williams at 3.4. Okay, this is probably where it's going to be decided a little bit. I also have Jaden Reed, uh, but I have Curtis Samuel as a cheap punt Whoa. option. 3,600. Look, dude, Curtis Samuel, obviously he left early last week, but... In his previous three games, he had eight, four, and six targets. I'll take, give me eight points, Curtis Samuel. That's what I need to beat Borg here. So Curtis Samuel, Jaden Reed, and CeeDee Lamb. All right, my tight end, I have the turd. Turd Ferguson to stack with Dak? Of course, I have him with Dak. Okay. <laughs> we have the same and stack. At, <laughs> at Flex, I have JSN uh, at 4,100. I'm assuming, so you have you can spend up here. Is this where you have CMC? Yeah, I thought I was going to let you think you got away with it and you had CMC to just bury me. But I also have Christian McCaffrey in my flex waiting for the, the late night hammer. 
Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Uh, and then at defense, I have the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, I'm terrified. I have the Lions, actually, at 32. The uh, Lions are a good play. Okay, so, so we actually have a much different lineup in a lot of places than I thought. So the keys are going to be uh, Jamison Williams versus Curtis Samuel. The defenses, the Lions versus the Cowboys. And Dave Montgomery versus... Uh, I, look at me, just eating the chalk like a square, Kyle, uh, with Dylan and Charbonnet. So that's the, those are the keys. Yeah, my Montgomery and JSN. Uh, so anyway, if you want to play with us, you can go to BallersDFS.com, our DraftKings League, Fantasy Footballers, DFS, Borg, and Bets. We'll have lots of contests coming up, Thanksgiving ones. And then we will be back later on this week talking the main slates. So if you're wondering, hey, you guys didn't go through everything that you normally go through, well, we want to devote it just to Thanksgiving. And then on Friday's podcast and on the DFS pass, we will have all of our articles that looks at week 12 for the main slate. We will get you ready. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Tell everybody bye, Bets. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. Enjoy the holiday. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the food. It should be great. So uh, don't forget to late swap. Don't forget that Jordan Love is going to break the slate. And uh, we'll be back on Friday to preview the Sunday main slate. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at thefantasyfootballers.com.